We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ brought to you with support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, who's based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, right near our Rotowire headquarters over there in Madison. AJ, the Vancouver Canucks may have the longest list of in-COVID protocol that we've seen so far this year with about 17 or 18 people on that list, and the club won't play any games this week. They already missed a couple. On the heels of this news, there are whispers of a return to all the teams that qualify for the postseason, reconvening in two bubbles just as they did last year for the upcoming playoffs. Don't really know. No decision has been finalized there. But uh, we, on the flip side, we saw a full stadium of fans in yesterday's baseball game in Texas. And that's the other end of the spectrum in terms of the impact of COVID that we're seeing in North America. I applaud teams that are still staying healthy in these most challenging times. But uh, I'm not sure what to make of the remaining NHL schedule. What are your expectations going forward? Well, I think the priority here for Vancouver is, you know, prioritizing the games that are remaining. Um, you know, they, they've got uh, all their games played against Montreal, who's one uh, one spot ahead of them in the standings. So we don't have to worry about that. I think really you have to determine is Vancouver and potentially Calgary, are they playoff teams? So for my money, I think they rejigger the entire North schedule here around this. You get Vancouver playing Calgary in their couple remaining games, including a few that had to be rescheduled. You move the Vancouver games against Ottawa to the end of the season and just basically say, like, if we need these games, if Vancouver is in a playoff spot and we need these games and we play them, 
If not, then, you know, maybe they play him anyway, just for the sake of playing games. But uh, I just don't see them really needing to get all of these games in necessarily, especially when you consider Vancouver and Ottawa have four games remaining. I think that's got to be the least priority. Get the games against Calgary. Honestly, push the Toronto games uh, to just before they play Ottawa because Toronto's kind of wrapped up. Not to jinx it here, Paul, but Toronto Thanks. seems to have wrapped up first place uh, in the division. So, I, you know, I think you got to prioritize the middle set there, figure out what you have in terms of playoff teams or not, and then decide if you need those Ottawa games. Well, that seems to be the best solution that I've heard, and I urge our listeners to, to start a petition in support of AJ for commissioner of the NHL. Clearly a man of action who can think on the fly and, and comes up with a very reasonable solution that makes sense to me at first blush. So good on you for coming up with that one, AJ. I think it, it's the most sensible thing. Get rid of the games that uh, don't have an impact, like you said. Throw them at the end of the schedule and try and get uh, the key ones in as quickly as possible so that they do have some uh, vision of how things are going to shake out in in this uh, playoff race in the North Division. AJ, we are ready to do our weekly roundup, taking a look at the moves that the 31 teams are making and roster shuffling that's happening in each locale. But before we do, as every week, uh, we turn to you and uh, want to listen to what you have to say about Owner's Box. Hey, NHL fans. Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways. Add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you've got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. Okay, partner, this week I go first as we uh, go back and forth with the 31 teams. And you catch a break because you don't have to say much about what Vancouver uh, is going to be up to because they're not playing. So I got a little extra homework in preparation for today's pod than you, you lucky guy. Uh, in, uh, in order, we begin with Anaheim, and this is a team that's now 8th in the Western Division, 0-2-1 last week, and I wonder if they finally considered dealing away their captain, Ryan Getzlaff, at age 35, who's in the final year of his contract with an $8.25 million cap hit. He actually missed his last game with an upper body injury, but should return later this week and uh, be marketable if they so choose, and maybe if he allows for a trade to, to take place and take a final run at a championship after his long and storied career. 
Other injury news really dots the landscape here in Anaheim. John Gibson back from his upper body injury, got into two starts last week, AJ, and uh, allowed only five goals against, so good for him, looking good and ready to take hold of that uh, top goalie role once again. But there are a whole host of other injury updates. The key one, Rickard Raquel, with an upper body injury, unknown duration, and that's a shame because he's maybe the most marketable guy at the trade deadline that I see here in the Anaheim landscape, and you'd like to get some assets for a guy who's ready to leave uh, on a on an expiring contract it seems Troy Terry also listed as day-to-day with an upper body injury Sam Steele undisclosed injury and unknown return gee thanks Ducks for all that injury information and the clarity that you provided us Uh, I hope that the NHL really straightens this out AJ I can't stand this unknown and uncertain they got to be more clear and fair and let's face it gambling has a lot to play in in uh, what I'm saying in terms of a, uh, more access to better information re- regarding the status of some of their injured players yeah absolutely I mean you look at the NFL and they've got you know weekly injury reports with specific injury locations specific uh, you know status at practice limited that they they share that information every single week. So uh, I, I agree. I think as, you know, partnerships with, with gambling uh, entities and, and that uh, expand, the NHL is going to have to, you know, force teams to provide uh, some more information in terms of timelines and, and, and whatnot. But I agree with you. I think injuries are the biggest concern for them now because it does impact their ability to make some moves here for, you know, Ricard Raquel does have one more year, so he wouldn't be a pure rental, which obviously would be attractive to a couple of teams. Uh, you know, outside of him, I don't know that there's really anybody that's going to be uh, that interested. I just don't see anybody willing to pay $4.1 million or have the space to take on $4.1 million in terms of cap uh, to get Ryan Getzlaff in the fold here. I, I just don't see it in, the, in this season. Um, so I, I would be shocked personally if he gets traded in Arizona. Uh, they've been continuing to ride Aiden Hill as they've been without Darcy Kemper or anti Ranta for a while now. Hill three games, two wins, eight goals allowed a, a decent two and one week for Arizona. They got production out of Nick Schmaltz, one goal, three assists, Jordan girls with three helpers over that stretch. Uh, and I, you know, they find themselves in fourth place. They're right in the mix. Uh, the concern for me is long-term can Aiden Hill really carry this team? You know, he's, if you include uh, last night's game, he's on a three game winning streak. He's won three or six of his last seven games. So certainly he seems to be showing some success. Uh, If they think he's the real deal, then do they look at trading Darcy Kemper again, injuries hampering the possibilities here because if Kemper's fully fit, then you probably don't even get a look at Hill. So do you want to trade him? But, you know, is anybody going to take him on with that injury concern? Uh, It's just kind of really muddied the water, in in my opinion here. Yeah, and the one guy that they would like to move on an expiring contract – $5 $5 million cap hit is Nick Jalmerson, but he isn't even traveling with the team at the beginning of a long nine-game road trip that they're they're on, and uh, you wonder if he's going to be ready to play and help another team, but uh, that would have been the, the most marketable piece that I see on this roster if they don't uh, go ahead and make the postseason. They're in a battle, though, for a playoff spot, and he could even help them get in if, the, if he's healthy, so a key situation there with one of their better defensive defensemen. In Boston, the Bruins are sitting fourth in the East after a 2-1 and one week, and it was kind of some, some secondary scoring types who finally uh, rose to the 
front of the the weekly scoring leaders that we talk about with each club. Craig Smith picking up five helpers. David Krejci back and healthy with a goal and four helpers. And uh, Nick Ritchie with a goal and two assists. I want to talk about him a little bit more, AJ, because as left wing on the second line, he's finally... uh, at kind of achieving a level that I thought that he could as a big physical guy with a scoring touch coming out of his draft a few years ago. This guy plays a typically Bruin game with a lot of physicality in it, but he's shown an offensive touch now. He has five points in his last five games played, pushing past Jake DeBrusque and pushing him down on the depth chart and really firmly into Bruce Cassidy's doghouse, it seems, with his down season overall. I've heard his name mentioned in trade talks, but you want to see something out of him before you jump and, and uh, acquire a guy like that. But could be a bu- case of uh, selling low on a, on a guy who was central to some of the recent playoff su- successes in Boston. Tuka Rask is still out of the lineup here, which means Daniel Vladar has had to fo- hold the fort because... Uh, Yarrow Halak has just entered COVID protocol, and young Jeremy Swayman is up for, for a first look at the, around the league here as a backup goalie. So they have games uh, the first two days of this week. Last night they got one in, and tonight you wonder if Swayman, Jeremy Swayman, gets his first career start in the second of back to backs. However, uh, Tuka Rask is along for the ride on their current road trip, so it could be back in the lineup next weekend and it gives me a chance to remind our listeners that AJ and friends at the head office they do a great job in updating the lineups on a daily basis and the Bruin goaltending situation is a key one to understand as you're setting your daily uh, fantasy lineups and uh, so look there look no further than the Rotowire uh, daily uh, lineups and depth charts to get your best best picks in there a similar timetable time for Rask is in store for Kevin Miller young, a defenseman who's a key to the the depth here, uh, and uh, they need him to, to bolster that that depth, which is uh, never looked weaker, in my opinion. But somehow or other, they continue to play that tight defensive game, and uh, one of the better teams at keeping shots away from the net. Well, I mean, generally, I agree with you uh, with that. But you look at their most recent game against the Penguins; it was anything but a defensive game right. from either side. A seven-five uh, a clash between those two clubs, and and that speaks to the the concerns there with with the goaltending situation. Uh, you know, are you going to give Daniel Vladder two games in a row? Uh, you know, anticipating that he won't have to play uh, the next game because you'll get Tuka Rask back. That's certainly if they really think Rask is available after two after today then maybe you go that route. Or do you go with Jeremy Swayman, who's never played in an NHL game? Uh, these are big questions. Look, the other thing that's weird to me is after a game like they had, that they've got Marchant Bergeron uh, on a different line from David Pasternak, I, I get you're trying to spread things out, but you just can't break this line up. It just makes no sense to me to separate those guys with how good uh, they have been and continue to be. In Buffalo, it was a good week for Sabres fans. They went 2-0-2, no regulation losses. That's a big week for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, A lot of that thanks to the return of Lena Solmark. Two wins in three games, seven goals allowed. Brandon Montour picked up three goals. Casey Middlestat with two goals and one assist. Look, uh, Middlestat's the guy I most want to talk about here. This is a player who at one point they had sent down to the minors because he just was not fitting in. Uh, in terms of their depth, I, I think when he was originally drafted, you slated him potentially as third line center who could challenge for for more. 
Um, but they're putting him in a first line role right now because they don't have Jack Eichel. They don't have Dylan Cousins. Curtis Lazar is hurt as well. And he seems to be, you know, taking it in stride. So maybe that time in the minors has really benefited him. Uh, one kind of, you know, concerning thing that, that they are going to have to monitor Kyle Oposo uh, hasn't been skating at practice for playing in games. He's got four assists in, in the last couple of contests here. Uh, and so I think that's one to monitor, but really ultimately, I think the biggest thing around the league in terms of the Sabres is who is going to finish the season with that team. There's a number of guys uh, whose names have been branded about here. Uh, of course, Taylor Hall being the biggest one. Paul, uh, what do you think? Who's who's the trade ship for Buffalo now that they've already sent off Eric Stahl? Well, you know what? Teams are looking for goaltending help. And I mean, Buffalo could make a bold move and, and try and... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Put Linus Elmark on the trade dead, uh, trade block. This guy, all he's done is had a post a two forty four goals against average and a ninety two percent save percentage, a winning record. AJ in sixteen starts. I can't. I can't believe Buffalo would offer this guy around the league because that's one guy who's done his part to to mitigate the disastrous circumstances. He hasn't had much help, and yet these numbers are nothing short of heroic. And yet I'm and I'm still hearing his name in trade rumors. None of that makes sense. If I'm a rival GM and, and they're serious about moving this guy, I'm on the phone to Buffalo about their goaltender there. Uh, I can't believe that, but uh, the whispers are out, and uh, I'm quite surprised by all of it. The Carolina Hurricanes, they're third in a very competitive central division. Warren Fogle leading the offense with two goals, but Brian, Brett Pesci with three helpers has continued a fine run on the blue line over there and uh, developed in, into a more prolific offensive piece from the back end that I didn't expect. But uh, he's been a steady defensive defenseman, so quite the package there. Uh, best news of all in Carolina, though, Peter Mrazek returned to game action after a one-month absence, and all he did was immediately restake his claim to the goaltend, top goaltending role with a 28-save shutout. That should make uh, James Reimer expendable at the trade deadline with his expiring contract a factor as well. And they have Alex Nedeljkovic uh, in tow. He's had a fine rookie season. So uh, goaltending, not an issue. And it could be where uh, Carolina tries to bolster their roster by moving uh, the third stringer uh, on the depth chart currently. And that would be Mr. Reimer. Brock McGinn was hurt on the weekend and joins Tybo Teravainen on the injured list, leaving a big hole in the right wing. Uh, Jesper Fast and Martin Netzkatch have been productive over there in the last two weeks 
Uh, and so that helps alleviate the concerns about uh, the injuries on the right side. I mentioned Brett Pesci. He is continuing a fine role with the three helpers last week. He had three more the prior week, so that's six assists in his last eight games for his bi- uh, biggest offensive contribution in years, and uh, that's not usually his calling card, as I suggested. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing, as you mentioned, though, is is getting Peter Mrazek back and available. Uh, the you know Reimer and Nato Djokovic uh, stood stood strong uh, when when called upon, but I absolutely agree, Paul. I think James Reimer will be uh, they will be receiving plenty of calls about him and whether or not uh, they you know the team is willing to part ways with him and, and what their asking price is uh, for the Calgary Flames. They played a couple fewer games because of cancellations with Vancouver. But it was a bad week for them as they went 0-3. Look, this is not the time to be falling apart uh, for the Flames. You have an opportunity to maybe challenge here, but there's just no production coming out of them. Uh, you know, you look at goals. Nobody with more than one goal in those three games. Manjapani got one to Chuck, Nordstrom, Lindholm, and Stone. And so, really, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, one assist, not good enough. Backland, one assist in two games good enough and of course Giordano one assist in three games again just not good enough from the guys that need to be producing for this club it's not happening they they shouldn't be having uh, Milan Lucic as one of their leading offensive producers in any week uh, if they want to actually be a you know a successful team it seems that the sheen from having a new coach has worn off in Calgary. Absolutely. And you can, you pointed at the right part of the team. The offense has just disappeared. 23 goals scored in the last 11 games. That's not going to get it done unless you're in a soccer league, uh, let alone the NHL partner. And uh, Matthew Tuchuk uh, is, is finding his way into the coach's doghouse, I think, because he, he was one of the lowest guys in terms of a total playoff, a total playing time that I saw in last night's game. And that's not good news because he's normally supposed to be one of the guys that's a heart and soul leader type. In, in this franchise and uh, it's not happening right now and they look like they're going to be on the outside looking in to the North Division playoffs. The Chicago Blackhawks are uh, just a little bit on the outside after being on the inside of the playoff race for much of the season. They dropped a fifth in the central with a one and two week uh, highlighted by only two assists from Connor Murphy but yet that was among the lead leaders uh, in terms of the offense generated here so you can tell that offense a bit of a concern great news for them though Kirby Doc is back and healthy and immediately slotted back into a top six center role since coming off the IR five games ago the production has been a little bit uh, spotty only two assists over his last three outings but I think he's starting to look comfortable again and ready to take on a full workload going forward so might be a low good low DFS option until he uh, starts to get noticed more and more Dylan Strom uh, a guy who normally plays in the middle of the ice uh, has been flipped to the wing and bounced around the lineup here currently listed as right wing on the second line having scored two goals last week is a guy that I, I have plenty of time for in the Chicago situation developing as one of the core pieces there as we look ahead to better days in uh, in the Hawks future. Lankanen has been inconsistent in goal in recent weeks following up falling up a nice stretch with two ordinary starts last week seven goals against on only 52 shots that has to be a bit of a concern they need better goaltending than that if we want to get back into the playoff hunt in the central division. Well, and I think one piece that they uh, added here is going to go under underappreciated. They brought back Vinny Hinestroza uh, via trade, a pretty minor trade for 
for all, you know, by all accounts, they gave up a minor league player in, in Brad Morrison to, to get him. But this is a guy who's been with the organization. He understands this team and I think can really hit the ground running. I know there's been a lot of changeover since he left a couple of years ago, but uh, I, I would not be surprised to see Hinnestrosa take on a top six role for them. And really, if, if they make the playoffs, don't be surprised to look back and see that, that that move is what kind of put them over the edge. Now, does it make them a playoff contender or a, a Stanley Cup contender, rather? No chance, in my opinion. But does it get them over the hump from being the fifth team in the division to fourth? It certainly might. And it's, it's a move to kind of watch uh, and, and look back on, in my opinion. In Columbus, they're going to probably look back on a lot of things this season and fi- try and figure out what went wrong. This week didn't help as they went one and three. Zach Wierenski leading the way with two goals and two assists. Look, you, you got to love having a defenseman uh, racking up points at, at a point per game pace, but you shouldn't be leading your team, especially when you've got guys uh, like, you know, Max Dome, who we've talked about at nauseum, Patrick Line, pointless in four, in those four games last week. And I, I would be surprised if he figures it out with this team at, at this point in the season. Uh, I don't know that, you know, he's going to be an RFA at the end of the year. And I just don't know that anybody else is going to want to take on what's, you know, slowly but surely becoming quite the project uh, in, in his game and trying to figure out what you have to do to motivate him. The, the billing seems to be, and this carries over from Winnipeg, is that Patrick Laine can't succeed without top players to play alongside he, he, you know, uh, pardon my French here, but he bitched and moaned when he was with, uh, you know, Winnipeg anytime they took him off the line with, with Shifley and Wheeler. And so finally they moved him out. He comes into Columbus. He's not going to get better line mates in Columbus. I mean, it's, let's just call a spade a spade here. And I think, you know, it's showing in his production. And so what do you do? Does do you try and trade him to a team that maybe has the guys that he wants to play with, but then you're stuck putting him with those guys and, and you can't shuffle them around. Um, so this, this is really becoming a headache and, and one that I'm sure John Tortorella is sick of dealing with at this point. You know what? It's funny. You mentioned the likes of Domi and Liney. They're guys that uh, the future should be pinned on, on uh, the future of the jackets should be pinned on their success, but neither one of them is doing much of anything. And the guy that's normally uh, central to the heart and soul nature of, of uh, team sentiment and team team spirit nick felino instead he's the guy that's the subject of trade talks as he's a little bit older and on an expiring contract with a 55 5.5 million dollar contract hit that's big money and teams are gonna have a tough time squeezing that in uh to their playoffs uh, pre-playoff runs uh but a guy who i think could certainly add so much to a lineup with his physicality and, and the way that he brings it every night it's too bad it hasn't translated to the rest of this roster this season and a large reason why they've taken a major step back overall the colorado avalanche they took a major step forward aj we're doing some great segues here on this show three and zero was their record last week and they climbed back into top spot in the west division Jonas johansson a recent acquisition for from Buffalo got in a first start and actually won it with a two goals against uh, effort uh, be backed by uh, the prolific offense here we talked about some several of the big guns at ad nauseum but it was lesser lights like Burakovsky with three points and Nichushkin with three points who helped uh, uh, 
this team to their perfect record last week. They're setting, they're set at scoring line center positions here. We know that, but have to be a little bit disappointed actually with the lack of production from one Tyson Yost, who we we have slammed a few times this year. We're looking back at him now. AJ only eight points in thirty-five games played. Even the trainer would get eight points in thirty-five games here with all the talent that's out here. I can't understand why a guy who was highly touted out of junior is fi- having trouble finding his way. Uh, on the flip side, uh, or in addition to that, Brendan Saad with only one goal. In his last 10 games played, maybe losing grip on a uh, grip on his uh, left wing scoring line role. Nichushkin and Comfer are options that may be considered. Nichushkin certainly, based on last week, should get a look, and Comfer has had experience in that situation. So keep an eye on the fluid left wing side. We haven't talked much about Kale McCarr. But I can tell you, he's looking like he's at the top of his game recently with 10 points in the last 10 outings. And he's hardly being talked about, clearly still among the top scoring defensemen when, when healthy. So uh, it could affect his uh, DFS prices going forward. Keep an eye on that because he looks to be one of the top scoring defensemen uh, in the landscape once again. I have to wonder, you know, what, if anything, Colorado is going to do uh, in terms of, of the trade deadline here. Look, getting Matt Calvert back will bolster the the bottom six. They don't need to touch this defense, that's for sure. I mean, Bowen Byron will be back in a couple of days, uh, and and really their top four is a, a pretty solid you know four pack here of Gerard, Graves, McCarr, and Taves. So uh, you have to wonder maybe a depth winger um, potentially they have the cap space to make it work uh, when you factor in LTIR with both. Uh, Eric Johnson and Pavel Francouz being being unavailable there, so um, that's that's maybe what they do. But is it you know is it one of those situations where it's just too much of a headache and you have to give up too much? Because this isn't a team that's going to be able to one even fit it, but two, do you really need to go out and get like a top, even a you know top six guy? Probably not. Maybe a third line winger. You know, you mentioned Brandon Saad kind of slumping. He did go get a goal last night, so maybe that's a sign of things to come here uh, for them. So I, I expect Colorado to be pretty quiet on the, on the deadline here. I think that Johansson move is probably going to be the only one we really see in Dallas. Uh, the moves are going to be the other way. As I anticipate the stars will sell uh, at the deadline here being six in the central and another uh, disappointing week at one, two and one. This has been a team that just, you know, every time I want to trust them, you know, last year was the one year I was like, oh, yeah, Dallas, they haven't been really living up to the standards. I don't think they'll do so this year. And then last year they succeed. So then I buy in and this year they're back uh, to their disappointing ways for me. I just can't seem to to figure out this team uh, on a long term basis in terms of the net mining. It's been uh, a little more Jake Ottinger than than Anton Hudobin. Uh, they've been splitting it of late. Ottinger one and one with a .963 save percentage in, in two opportunities. Hudobin one zero oh, and one with a .917. So uh, you know goaltending seems decent enough. It's the scoring that continues to be the problem with this club, and and I think a reason they're going to start selling guys off. You know I mentioned previously. With Columbus, getting production out of defensemen is great, but you don't want them leading the way. Well, two of their top three producers last week were from the blue line in Miro Heiskanen with one goal and three assists and John Klingberg with three assists. 
you know, Jamie Benn seems to have woken up a little bit with two goals over that stretch, but really uh, they just can't seem to put it all together. And I expect some guys to be maybe shipped out. Andrew Cagliano could offer some appeal as, as a bottom six option. Same with Blake Como uh, for in terms of guys that maybe will get their names uh, called uh, on the phones there. Yeah, the trouble here is that they've had too many guys in sick bay and on the IR for much of the season. Sagan, of course, out of lineup all year, rattle off in and out. But most recently, Joel Cavaranta and Jason Dickinson, two youngsters who are key parts of this offense and will be for several years to come, find themselves on the IR as well. You mentioned inconsistencies throughout the roster. Consider first-liners. Joe Pavelski, only two assists in his last six games played. But meanwhile, Jason Robertson had a fine week and is scoring very prolifically on the left side of that same line. So they just can't get all the oars rowing in the same direction here, and that's a large part of the reason for the lack of success in Dallas. Uh, up next, we talk about the Detroit Red Wings. Mired in eighth place in the Central Division. 1-2-1 and one was their record last week. Thomas Grice was in net for all the games. And consider this, AJ, only one win despite allowing seven goals against. So guess what? This club is still goal-challenged. Leader in terms of offense for the week was Vlad Nemestikov with only two assists. Uh, with two recent injuries to Bobby Ryan and, and uh, Fab, Robbie Fabry, who could, could both return within a week, that hampered the offense last week, but maybe there's help on the way. It afforded uh, usually a, a checker type and Adam Ernie the opportunity to rise into a top six role. He produced two goals and one assist in his expanded role over the last three games to lead the offense along with Nemesnikov. The Wings would love to see Jonathan Bernier get healthy enough to play before the trade deadline because he, again, is a number of uh, among a small number of goalies who could be sought after uh, to help other teams and could return something significant to the Red Wings and continue their uh, need for development, fill the need for development here going forward. Prior to his injury, in fact, Bernier was the top, top trade consideration, in my opinion, of any goalie that might be available prior to the trade deadline. So keep an eye on that situation. Youngster Michael Rasmussen is another guy who's making the most of his promotion time with uh, amid the uncertainty in, in uh, Detroit, moving up to the center position on the second scoring line, compiling three points in the last five games played. I think he'll be a fixture here for years to come, and he's getting a baptism under fire right now. Well, I think the the biggest thing is, you know, Bobby, Bobby Ryan getting back on the ice for them because at, you know, 35 years of age, yeah, I'm sure they'd love to, to keep him uh, beyond the season, but he's a $1 million contract. There are a lot of teams that could take that on, and a lot of teams, I think, that could be bolstered uh, by having him, that's a top nine winger uh, to immediately add to your mix, possibly even top six, depending on, on the team you're looking at here. Um, you know, and they are clearly building for the future. You look at their draft picks this upcoming year, one first rounder, three in the second round, two in the third round. If they could maybe snag like a third rounder or even a second rounder for Bobby Ryan, think about the long term impact here. This is a Detroit team that could be sitting potentially with four second round picks and a first, you know, a first overall pick that's in the top of the draft. Maybe there's some movement there that they could move up. And, you know, with that bevy of second rounders, then they're picking twice in the first round next year as a potential long term building here. I really think they need to, you know, consider taking anything they can get at this point for for guys that are, are being asked about 
maybe not Robbie Fabry. He is just 25 years of age, so he can be part of your building for the future around Dylan Larkin and, and Anthony Manta. Um, but I, I really would consider shipping off Bobby Ryan if you can get anything close to a second or even a third rounder for him. Uh, in terms of our next club, we'll talk about the Edmonton Oilers, a 2-1-1 one, and one week for them. And we're finally, you know, after, uh, you know, some, some dry spells, if you will, Leon Dreisaitl, three assists in those three games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, two points. Connor McDavid, two points. Uh, I think that's decent enough. Obviously, you know, you expect these guys to be racking up multiple points every single night. Um, but they're sitting in second. They snagged, you know, in those four games, they got five points out of it. And really, it's, you know, it's not a big deal, in my opinion, if they uh, have, you know, what you would otherwise consider maybe, quote, unquote, a down week for them. Uh, you know, these guys are going to be on top of the scoring race. And so I wouldn't be too worried about any of that situation there. And I really think Edmonton, uh, while they could maybe figure things out enough to challenge, I, again, I don't want to jinx you, Paul, but I just see Tampa or uh, Toronto rather being too far ahead at this point um, for for these two teams to track them down. So the priority for Edmonton is just finishing, you know, slightly above Winnipeg, so you would get four games in a in a first round series at home. You got me smiling like the butcher's dog here, AJ, when you make references to the Leafs being home and cool, though, but I'm not counting anything right now. The Florida Panthers aren't counting on anything either. They're, they moved up to first place in the Central Division, overtaking Tampa with a 4-0 week last week. That makes five straight wins overall. Alex Wenberg and Gustav Forsling with four points each leading the offense. Owen Tippett uh, adding two assists as well. This team is rolling on the ice, but I was most intrigued by an off-ice move here that saw Spencer Knight sign his entry-level deal. This guy is a very highly regarded goalie prospect, AJ, and there's already a pretty de- a solid goaltending situation in, in place as Bobrovsky seems to be on top of his game, and Chris Dreger's been a, a really good soldier here. Consider that He's, for two years now, been a solid backup in his last 29 appearances. A goals against average of 2.05 and a save percentage north of 93%. Those are amazing numbers. And uh, you wonder, with Knight's signing, are they going to jump the gun and see if they can move Dreger? Or do they hold him on to him and, and give Knight a chance to apply his trade at the, in the minor league level? He's such a great prospect, though. I don't think his stay down there will be too long. So look for a goaltending move in the Florida mix within the next six months, I would say. And maybe if somebody makes a tasty trade deadline offer it could happen much sooner than that um most surprised as well by a move uh, up front where they we see a former leaf farmhand mason marchment getting left wing minutes on the top scoring line the guy hasn't scored a goal in the last 15 games played but by all accounts and the clippings that i'm reading the coaches love this guy's work ethic and and uh, what he brings to the game maybe he's opening up, up space for the wingers and centers that he's playing with on the, in a top six role but uh, right now i see as him it's nothing more than a net front presence uh, hasn't proven to be a scoring type that's for sure I look at a guy like Frank Vitrano who got three goals and two assists last week and he'd be my choice for an expanded role on left wing in a top six environment but he's still mired in in uh, third line minutes and uh, some time on the special teams but he's been a, a power play specialist for a few years now and uh, a nice guy to have in tow over here the news is a bit sour on the back end of course with 
Aaron Ekblad out for the year, but Mackenzie Weger has stepped up with more minutes played and excuse me, responded with a two-goal, two-assist effort last week. Yeah, I think the thing you you talk about with Marchman, you know, the about the team trusting him and the coaching staff liking him, uh, that's further enforced by the fact that they signed him to a one-year uh, contract extension uh, yesterday. So clearly, they they see something here uh, that maybe the rest of us aren't uh, in in you know kind of long-term uh, projections here and. I think you have to consider trading Dreger right now. Uh, I don't know why this guy would re-sign with Florida when you consider Sergei Bobrovsky is locked up at $10 million a year for the next five years. You, you're a red-hot commodity, so if, if Florida allows you to hit free agency, there's no way I'm signing with, with the Panthers next season. I'm going to go somewhere where I have a clear chance to start uh, in a team that's already, in, you know, find a team that's not already committed over 12% of their cap to, to one netminder. So they really, I, I think they have to consider trading him for whatever they can get. Unfortunately, you know, I, while Dreger, I think, has a solid market, midseason goal, goalie trades, I think, are difficult to pull off. Um, so I, I would just, I would tamper down the expectations among the Panthers faithful as to what you're going to get back for Chris Dreger. I don't think it's going to be a bad amount, but I think you're going to look at it and maybe be a little disappointed, but think about it in the context of he's a UFA at the end of the year. He has no reason to return to Florida if he wants to be an NHL starter. And so you're kind of other teams know that too. And, you know, another team could say, well, fine, they're, they're putting their heels in. I'm wanting a, a first round pick for Chris Dreger. I'm not going to pay that. And so, uh, I'll wait until the off season and then try and sign him. So just tamper expectations for the fans on what the return is going to be here in Los Angeles. They'll see potentially some return as they are slated, in my opinion, to ship out some more pieces. Uh, we saw them bring in a guy in, in Brendan Lemieux, which was a bit surprising. They did that minor league flop with Christian Wolanin and Michael Amadio. Um, uh, but I think overall, uh, this is a team that is going to be selling hard uh, into the stretch here. Some names that I think would make sense, whether or not they'll be sent out, are, of course, Alex Iafalo. His cap hit is just $2.4 million, so relatively manageable. He'll be a UFA. He's only 27, so you can get some value there. Beyond that, they don't really have any immediate RF, uh, UFAs on, on the list. They've got a number of RFAs. You know, I've seen people suggest Andreas Athanasiu, but I think they like the fact that he's, uh, you know, kind of controlled with, with that RFA. Of course, the flip side is true that they could get a solid return from him. Uh, you know, I've suggested in the past maybe they look at trading Jonathan Quick uh, and, and seeing what they can do there. Paul, are there any other names that stand out to you? on this list of potential guys headed out of Los Angeles. Well, I've hammered hard on the goalies in a couple of circumstances of trade possibilities. I don't see Quick being very easy to move. He's got two years left with a $5.8 million cap hit. I don't think that the Kings are going to eat half of that contract and make it a little more palatable to other teams acquiring a 35-year-old goalie whose game is in decline, and he's been passed by Cal Peterson. And that's one of the positive developments. I, I look at this as as a uh, rebuilding club, and they have 
to look at their situation and say, we were competitive for the first half of the season. They're fading a little bit now, but uh, I think trading some of the fringe players that are getting on in years is the way to go to create some space going forward for the younger guys to get more more reps, and that's really the name of the game in, in Los Angeles. So they'll try and move some pieces for sure, but I just don't know how marketable some of those pieces will be uh, at this trade deadline with the competition around the league and being thin, I think. Minnesota, this is a team that's kind of taken on the opportunity that existed in a, in a Western division below the first two teams. Uh, they are third right now with a 2-1-1 and one, one and two, one and one week. Cam Talbot in goal for three of the games, posted two wins and only six goals against. So that's a pretty good one-two that they have in the nets there with the youngster behind him. Jordan Greenway, three assists, a strong contributor in a top six, six role of late. Joel Eriksson Eck with three points of his own as well, coming into his own as a fine young centerman. Marcus Johansson uh, has played six games since coming off the IR and he's seen his minutes rise and return to the power play. His product productivity has been a little bit lower than expected early on, but I think once he gets a few more reps, he'll be a consistent producer. Matt Zuccarello is a guy that I've talked about a lot when we've talked about Minnesota this year, but it's all my talk has always been tempered by the fact that he just can't stay healthy. He's back on the IR right now, again with no clear timetable due to his current lower body hurt. This is a guy that just can't stay healthy, AJ, and despite his talent, I just can't trust him in season-long formats. Unfortunately for the Wild, they're dealing with injuries to Marcus Foligno as well, who's expected to be, uh, they you know talked about weeks away. Of course, that was a couple weeks ago, um, but still no clear update on him. And Zach Parise, uh, looks like he'll be back sooner rather than later. He's been activated from the COVID protocol list, um, but they're still ramping up his conditioning. So he wasn't able to play uh, last night. Perhaps he'll be ready to go on Wednesday. So those injury concerns are are there uh, and and you know present and something that that they're going to need to challenge you know fight through if they're going to maintain a playoff spot here. I think one uh, kind of DFS tip that I will just toss out there, uh, few players over the last couple of years, in, in my opinion, have been as streaky as Nick Bukestad. Well, he had two points in his last game uh, last night, in fact. And so now's probably a good time to hit when the iron is hot, um, you know, because he's, he's one of those guys that when he's going, uh, you you need to you know use him, but uh, it's very up or down. And right now he seems to be trending up. One a team to be trending down right now is the Montreal Canadiens. A two and one week, so certainly good there. But the news coming out last night: Brendan Gallagher broke his thumb in Monday's game and is expected to miss a significant chunk of time here. Uh, weeks is the report, and as we're getting close to the season uh, ending here, you have to wonder if that is going to be a season ending or at least a regular season ending uh, injury for Brendan Gallagher. So they will have to shuffle the deck here and try and, uh, you know, find some replacements. I think the obvious choice on that first line is Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, I, I would peg for the second line. And they got, you know, Eric Stahl played his first game in Montreal last night picking up the overtime winner. So anybody who uh, doubted me last week when I said Stahl was a good addition and, and thought the old man uh, was ready to be put out to pasture, just look what he did in his first game with the team. He's slotting into a, a second-line center role, and I think they're going to need a player like him to kind of weather the storm without Gallagher. They also 
Uh, Joel Armia is also unavailable as he's on the COVID list right now. So all the additions that they've made to be a, a deep team have paid off here because you're looking at a fourth line right now of Paul Byron, Jesperi Kotniemi, and Michael Froelich, which is a perfectly capable fourth line. The third line, not too uh, bad either with Arturi Lekanen, Nick Suzuki, and Corey Perry. So this team has depth to weather the storm, I think, with those guys out. And if they can get either one back, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks or even for the postseason, I think there's your trade uh, deadline, your next trade deadline acquisition. I'll use air quotes on that. The, the addition just by getting their guys back and healthy. Yeah, any deals the Canadians make will have to be money in, equaling money out because they're so close against the cap. It's too bad because they also have a whole mitt full of draft picks to move around uh, in anticipation of, of a possible busy deadline if they had a little more flexibility. So uh, we'll look for the situation to unfold in Montreal prior to next week's trade deadline, see if they both further bolster the squad, but a fine addition install, as you suggested. New Jersey mired in seventh place in the Eastern Division. 0-1-2 was the record last week. They were led offensively by Travis Zajac, who is a low-end DFS value play uh, as he's going on a hot streak right now with three goals last week. Michael McLeod chipped in with two goals as well. Ryan Murphy, Murray holding the hot hand at the back end with six assists. Nick Merkley, a youngster who was recently a high draft pick, getting two helpers as well. In the Nets, Mackenzie Blackwood back in uh, top form. His record is 3-1-2 and in his last six games played while allowing only 14 goals against. That'll keep uh, teams in, in contention every night with a modicum of offensive production. They're certainly not getting that from one Andreas Johnson. Only one assist in his last 13 games played. He's lost his top six winger role and reprising a third line role that I saw far too often for a guy with his, his skill set during his time in Toronto. Kokan did not do much with his promotion in place of Johnson, however, being blanked in his last five games played. So that's a bit of a black hole on the left side. And uh, in terms of trade possibilities, Kyle Palmieri continues to be the subject of those trade rumors, linking him, in fact, with one specific team, and that's the Boston Bruins. He was even held out of recent games amid speculation that he could be moved. And uh, prior to that, was on a pretty good streak with four goals in his last eight games played. Yeah, boy, would that be a, a pretty significant move uh, to, to trade away uh, a guy like Kyle Palmieri, who's, you know, really been, uh, you know, since he came over from Anaheim, been one of the, the key players for this team for several years. And so to see him, uh, you know, heading uh, to another NHL team would certainly be, uh, you know, disappointing for for Devils fans, but you have to consider the, the long-term impact here of, you know, what you can get from him, uh, a UFA deal. No reason that they can't retain half of the salary for the remainder of this season, and that'll expand the pool of teams that would be in contention for him when you consider it going from 4.6 to 2.3 in terms of cap hit. Obviously, Travis Zajac uh, is another name that could come up, another guy that's going to be a UFA and I think stockpiling for the future is, is the key for New Jersey uh, and continuing to build uh, through the draft at this point. In Nashville, a two-in-one week finds them in fourth place in the Central. Uh, UC Saros with uh, two wins and five goals allowed, including a shutout over that stretch. And the youngster, Eli Tolvanen, continues to produce with two goals and one assist. The concern, uh, you know, they've got uh, Victor Arvidsson was forced out of Saturday's game. He's considered day-to-day right now until we know more. 
Philip Forsberg is considered week to week. So you have to imagine his absence will continue for a little bit longer here. And while that has created an opportunity for Tolvanen to be in a top six role, uh, it's obviously a concern when you have, you know, more injuries starting pile, starting to pile up. They're already thin down the middle with Brad Richardson and Matthew Shane all out. Although Matthew Shane hasn't offered much in terms of offense for a number of years. So maybe, uh, addition by subtraction, not having him in the lineup and being forced to utilize him. But uh, all things considered, I, I, I worry about these two injuries putting just a little bit too much pressure on the depth here, not to mention a number of guys still out on the back end, including, including Ryan Ellis. Uh, on the island in New York, uh, the Islanders still in the hunt in the middle of a, a very con- congested East Division standings. Two and one was their record last week. Anthony Beauvillier leading the offense with two goals and one helper. Jordan Everly with a pair of goals, pair of assists. Josh Bailey with a goal and two helpers. Odd-looking first line, though, for me, with uh, Komarov still in the top left-wing role, despite only two assists in his last five games played. However, you've got to look at what his center's doing most recently, and that's the talk of the league, uh, as Matt Barzal has nine points in that same stretch. Center on the second line, Brock Nelson slapped, snapped his seven-game goalless drought last week. So the two offensive lines are humming here, and the defensive structure is in place. I don't think anybody wants to play a team like this uh, if it's going at the top of their game with the playoffs around the corner. Ross Johnson is the latest left winger to go on the injury list, however, on the left side, and that's a bit of a concern. Michael Dalcoli is skating and could be in line for a top-six role just by the fact that he's one of the guys that's healthy on that flank. They'll be looking to bolster that group at the trade deadline. That's the one weakness I see here. Beauvillier, as I mentioned, has risen from this group to score six of his eight goals in the past eight games played. So at least that's a bit of a balm for the lack of production on the port side overall. I think it's important that, you know, as much as we highlight players doing well, we need to point out uh, when things aren't going as well. And that's the case for Jean-Gabriel Pajot. He's on a four-game pointless streak. Uh, and and has really cooled off over that stretch. I think, again, something I've talked about in the past, the biggest concern for me over this this drought is only two shots on goal in those four games. Uh, That's pretty disappointing in terms of what you want, especially when you consider there's plenty of power play ice time coming for him in those opportunities. So I I don't think it'll be a long-term thing. I would expect him to get back sooner rather than later. Um, But it is important to note that he is slumping pretty good right now and not doing the things that that I personally view as a way to get out of that slump. The Rangers are not ready to uh, call it in the East Division with a 2-0-1 week. They will fight uh, to the end here. I don't think I think what you're going to see in terms of trade deadline for them, uh, you know, because it's only a week away here, less than a week away. I don't anticipate that they're going to be huge players on the market because I don't think they want to sell what they have. They've got a strong core here of of young players, um, but it seems too early to buy on a team that's, you know, rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I expect them to be overall pretty quiet. You know, there's, you know, the, the move for Lemieux was a pretty minor one. And honestly, I think it was just a way to create, a roster spot uh, for for the the youngster um, Vitaly Kratsov. So they got something out of that, and and were able to to create the roster space. But overall, I expect them to be pretty slow the rest of the way. 
Um, and I think they'll be a hard out for all the teams in the, in the East here. And if they're not a factor directly in the postseason, I certainly think they will be a factor in terms of who they potentially beat down the stretch here. Yeah, you kind of panned the Ottawa Senators in the same way off the top of the show, AJ, but they went one and one last week again, continuing a streak where they've been a tough out for the teams in the North Division. They're still mired in seventh place, don't get me wrong, but uh, teams can't go against Ottawa and completely think it's going to be an easy night unless you're the Edmonton Oilers who have completely owned them this year. The rest of the teams in the division have had a lot of trouble with the team in the Canadian nation's capital. Connor Brown's a big reason why, chipping in with two goals again last week, and if getting Don off as another guy who expects to lead this offense, and he's done it in fits and starts uh, this season. Last week was one of those better ones with him getting two goals as, as well. One guy who's emerged for me on the back end, really solidifying the defense, is Mike Riley. He's added a bit of offense to his game, uh, which is predicated around defensive structure. I like the way he's playing, and uh, they also get uh, Matt Murray back in net, back and activated from the IR. He's had an up and down season injury wise, and that's a real shame because they're paying him big money, and uh, he hasn't been around much, to be quite frank. Tim Stutzley uh, was the subject of a lot of highlight reels earlier on, but less visible in the last six games, only two assists. Maybe he's been a, hit a bit of a rookie wall. I notice a lower uh, a shot on goal rate for him as well in that stretch, so that's a bit of an alarming development for me. Uh, Artem Anisimov had three assists in his first game back after an eight-game injury absence. He's another guy that certainly would have been... Uh, welcome as a top six player if he could stay healthy but that's been the knock on him for a long while his return however should shuffle the top nine forwards and I think Nick Paul could be a casualty there I don't know how this guy's been staying in a top six role or even top nine AJ only five helpers in his last 21 games played overall in the city of brotherly love the Flyers went one one and one last week picked up another overtime win last night uh, as they've been riding a lot of Brian Elliott, uh, you know, to give Carter Hart some time to get things right. Hart's lone appearance in their last uh, six games came in a pretty decent outing, gave up just two goals uh, on 24 shots in a uh, losing uh, overtime losing effort to the Islanders. So certainly uh, I think they, you know, are seeing some signs of life there in, in terms of uh, what they're getting out of him. He's going to get the nod tonight on the second of a back-to-back. Uh, so I, I think his, uh, you know, drafted percentage could be a little bit down um, considering the fact that, you know, one, he's been struggling a little bit of late. Two, they're going up against the Bruins. Um, but if you're looking for maybe a contrarian option, uh, I, I think Hart offers some intrigue in that. You know, certainly uh, if it goes wrong for you, it's going to go wrong big time. Uh, you know, there's a potential there that the Bruins could just light him up. But I, I do see it as a potential contrarian play if you're looking to maybe be the one guy that uh, trusts in, in the youngster uh, from Philadelphia. In Pittsburgh, they are third in the East Division, a very, a very competitive East, I keep saying. They were 2-1 and one last week. Jared McCann picking up two goals as he slotted in to that second-line center role very seamlessly as usual. Mike Matheson with four points on the week. Marino on defense with two helpers. Brian Rust, however, is the guy I want to focus on, AJ, here. Get your slant. 
he had been a great DFS value for, for a six-game point streak, but last week was blanked uh, over three games. Still looks to me, to me like he's a lock in that first-line right-wing role alongside Sidney Crosby, though. They have a very good partnership over a couple of years now, and I don't think that this recent slump is messing with that. Tristan Jerry missed the last two games with an upper body injury, but should be able to return later this week. Maybe you have an insight there as well. A bit of positive news for your club, though. After missing a month, Jason Zucker back as left wing on the second line, had a goal and seven shots on goal over his three games played last week, and uh, they certainly are well happy to have him back in tow. It comes at a time, though, when Kasperi Kapanen's going out uh, while he's coming in. He's expected to miss a few weeks with a lower body injury, and that means more top six minutes for Evan Rodriguez. And I'm telling you, buddy, I think they need an upgrade there. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with with everything. So I'll start with Rust. You know, the the Penguins have become a one line team essentially uh, without Evgeny Malkin. So uh, the opposition are able to really focus in on on Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. So I, I attribute the the little bit of slump for him just to that. I, I don't expect it'll carry forward long term. One benefit that has come from having Malkin, Captain, uh, and, and now Brandon Tan have picked up an. In- injury Saturday and he's week to week as well is the fact that Jared McCann and Jason Zucker seem to be really having a, a strong partner and I stress if the Penguins can actually get healthy and have Malkin and Kapanen back together I think it's worth considering that you put McCann and Zucker as your third line anchors uh, in their tandem I agree I still think maybe you find a, an upgrade, uh, you know, uh, one name that we've talked about, maybe they could get Bobby Ryan in here and go, you know, Malkin, Kapanen, Bobby Ryan on the second line. I feel comfortable having Evan Rodriguez in a third line role, continuing to play with McCann and Zucker. So I, I think there's some options here um, in what they can do, but it's all going to depend on when, uh, you know, I don't think it's an if, I think it's a when they get Malkin, and Kasperi Kapanen back together because those two had really been playing well. Uh, another team playing well right now is the San Jose Sharks, who went 4-0 and last week. And I can't believe we're saying this, but Marty Jones, four games started, four wins, six goals allowed, including a shutout, was named one of the stars of the week uh, for the division. And really, that that is quite the turnaround for him uh, based on what has been happening of late for, for his career. Uh, you know, is it something that's going to hold on? I don't know, but six wins in his last seven games, they've turned to him as the preferred choice right now, riding the hot hand over Devin Dubnik. Uh, and so I think they'll continue to, to monitor that situation, uh, in terms of fantasy and, and DFS value. I, I don't foresee that being anywhere close to enough to get them into a playoff, uh, position here, but certainly worth um, you know, maybe picking your spot depending on who they're matching up with to, to use Marty Jones before uh, he cools off. Yeah, and keeping with the theme that I started earlier on, we haven't talked about goalies for a bit, but Devin Dubnik is a guy that should be sought after in uh, trade uh, 
trade talks before the deadline. His contract is expiring. It's a very low cap hit relative to some of the other guys, some of the other guys that are out there. So you might look at that as a situation that unfolds. But this team has a lot more structure at the center position since Couture and Hurdle are back in as the one-two. Hurdle looks healthy again, and he's driving that second line. And Rudy Balsers has become somewhat relevant, playing well and being productive on his right wing of late. The St. Louis Blues are a team that I thought was uh, safe in fourth place, but they dropped two games last week and uh, fell out of a playoff sp- position. Uh, winless in their last six games. That's a trouble spot that I didn't see coming, but it's largely attributed to the struggles that uh, Jordan Pennington continues to have. Consider he's allowed 15 goals against in his last five starts, the save percentage at a lousy 88.5%. So he's got to ramp that up and drag his team back into the playoffs with a much better effort than that. Uh, they got to be uh, concerned about Rob Thomas. He's been held scoreless in six games played since his return. They need him get to get going to uh, bolster some secondary scoring from the bottom six here. Vlad Tarasenko is now playing alongside, trying to spark that unit, in fact. And on defense, I, I'm concerned about Justin Falk. He's in a funk right now. No points and a minus six in his last nine outings. He's playing like he did in stretches last year where he looked at that cap hit and thought, boy, oh boy, he's, he's really not returning anything and must be in the doghouse here. Jordan Cairo, a, a guy who, uh, one of the youngsters who's come through for them earlier on in the season, all of a sudden scoreless in his last six games played has seen his minutes drop and could soon lose that top six winner role here so a lot of things in flux in st louis as they have fallen out of a playoff spot well and i think it's interesting to look at their record since tarasenko came back in they've got 12 losses and two wins as as best as i can count them here uh and that's you know there might be some overtime losses in there that i'm not not seeing offhand here but that's Pretty big concern for uh, a team going south when you add a guy in like Tarasenko, and it's certainly not his fault. He's got eight points in those 14 games, including uh, a trio of power play points, consistent big minutes for them as well over that stretch. Uh, But it just goes to show you that sometimes chemistry can just get really wonky uh, when you add in. A, a guy even a guy as good as Tarasenko and so it's certainly concerning that his uh you know return to the lineup has not been for the better for the St. Louis Blues Tampa Bay uh, has fallen to second in the central after a two and two week compared to Florida Ross Colton two goals uh, Andreas Bergman two assists over that stretch uh, obviously the the weight here is for when they're going to get Nikita Kucherov back, and, and you have to, you know, you have to compare the two. Is the addition of Nikita Kucherov going to be uh, everything that they hope it to be? Uh, I I would imagine they they think they will get better for having him, and it's it would, you know, I'm not suggesting they're worse by any stretch of the imagination, um, but you you have to compare these two scenarios where you get arguably the best player on the team back. Uh, and things don't go well right away. Uh, and it would be certainly a bad timing to see that happen uh, in a first-round playoff series, that's for sure. Well, and they have to be concerned about the injuries on the back end, AJ. Let's face it, Yanni Rut- Jan Ruta and Eric Cernak have been a part of their structure for the last year and a half, and uh, they're both out of the lineup right now, and that's meaning that they're pressing into service some minor leaguers in Andreas Borgman and Ben Thomas to log those third-pairing minutes 
putting a lot of pressure on the top four, which includes youngster Cal Foote, who's just getting his feet wet, pardon the pun, uh, in, in that depth chart there. So challenge on the defense, the defensive side. They'll have to do money in, money out to, to bolster their team. They haven't got a lot of cap flexibility, so we'll see what they can do to make their situation better. But they're counting on things to come out of the infirmary to improve their lot, I think, better than any other option. We get to the Maple Leafs, AJ, and uh, I'm pretty happy because they're undefeated now in their last eight games played, despite the fact that their uh, presumptive starting goalie is on the sidelines for all of it. And uh, Michael Hutchinson being very serviceable third option here, Preston's duty with two starts last week, allowing only five goals against. But the big story is Jack Campbell, undefeated in a club record tying nine straight games uh, is, is his lot. And the goals against is a sparkling one and a half. And the save percentage is just otherworldly at about 94%. So these are fantasy numbers. And right now he's delivering them in real time. And I couldn't be happier to see that development. But it kind of tempers the, the rumors of a need for uh, goaltending addition at the trade deadline. Because I think uh, the time off is certainly going to help Freddie Anderson. I haven't heard anything conclusive yet about his status. But I think he's coming along. And uh, certainly the, they seem to be in good hands right now with Campbell and Hutchinson. They would love to see Anderson get into a game before the trade deadline but i don't i don't know that that's possible so it'll be a very interesting way to see how this team handles the trade deadline maybe do they bolster the offense i already said nick felino would be a guy that i would love to see in the in tow but uh, they also have to be heartened by the fact that alex kelchenyak who struggled in the last play four cities that he's played in looks to have found a home with the Leafs on a second line he got his first goal last week uh, playing on a second line with uh, John Tavares and, and Willie Nylander I don't think he could have asked for more than that uh, I certainly like what I've seen from him and then another guy who's come out of the infirmary most recently is Wayne Simmons and he got his first goal since coming off the injured list and uh, looks pretty solid in a third line role and uh, support uh, on a second power play unit and that power play unit finally broke a goose egg of 11 games played it's funny AJ last night they gave up a shorthanded goal immediately called a timeout on that same power play and proceeded to go score the go-ahead goal and they didn't look back after that so that could be a real key moment for the Leafs going forward as they put some distance between themselves and their pursuers comfortably atop the North Division. Well, and to your point Paul you know they continue to get production out of Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews who currently find themselves fourth and fifth uh, respectively in the, in the overall league uh, points race. And that's despite not doing much on the power play of late, you know, Matthews sitting at 27 goals. Uh, I, you know, with, with a guy like Connor McDavid behind him, it's, it's way too early to call him any sort of lock to win the rocket. Um, but it's certainly his trophy to lose at this point, uh, you know, with, with that. And, and if they can get the power play going as well, that's only going to improve his chances of picking up some hardware at the end of the season. We'll touch briefly on Vancouver here. No games uh, last week. We talked about the fact that they've got 17 players on the COVID list. And so really you just have to hope for all their, their staff, uh, you know, and, and players that, that nobody has any, you know, severe, uh, you know, symptoms or anything like that. And that everybody can come out of this uh, for the better, but uh, you know, I think the schedule is what's going to be important to look at once once health is taken care of and when they can play again, I think, remains up in the air. 
Yeah, Las Vegas, second in the Western Division. AJ, after a loser week, 1-2-1 one, one was the record. Robin Leonard gets into a couple of games and picks up a win. Only three goals against. Looks like offense, a bit of an issue here of late. Nozick leading the team offensively with a, two goals and one assist. Keegan Kolasar with a couple of assists. And uh, Zach Whitecloud, a third-pairing defenseman, has missed the last two games here with an upper body injury but should return next week. You notice I'm not mentioning any of the big guns because they're misfiring a little bit of late. Chandler Stevenson was suspended for three games for his high elbow hit that means that Cody Glass is replacing him as a top six center going forward even tough guy Ryan Reeves has missed his last three games with a lower body injury uh, the goalie situation looks like it's going to be a split going forward with between Fleury and Leonard uh, as they short things out headed toward what they hope is another long playoff run well, you absolutely have it, you know, right there, Paul, that the, the offense is the problem. Alex Petrangelo, pointless in three games. Match Pacioretty, pointless in their four games last week. Uh, Mark Stone had one assist. Uh, Riley Smith had one goal. You know, the, as you said, there's just not any production coming out of the, the star players here. And that is a big concern. Now, fortunately, they're a team that has uh, a pair of netminders who are definitely 1A and 1B. And so I think that can obviously help them avoid any sort of significant drop here because uh, both of those netminders are certainly capable of winning a, a one nothing game, uh, you know, 2-1 game. They're, they have both have the talent there to, to pull that off. And so I think it's important to watch, uh, you know, the offense needs to come around long term. Uh, but for right now, I think they're doing okay. In Washington, uh, okay is probably the best way to describe last week, a two-and-two week. The net mining a a bit uneven for me. Vidic Vanisak, one-and-one with a .879 save percentage. Ilya Samsonov, also one-and-one with a slightly worse .841 save percentage. So there are some uh, cracks there in in the armor, if you will, uh, for the Washington Capitals. Of course, the offense is... uh, not uh, really a huge issue. John Carlson picks up three goals and one assist. Alex Ovechkin, one goal, three assists. TJ Osie, a trio of goals. Uh, and, and that's a credit to him having been moved kind of all over this lineup recently, including playing some center. Right now they've got him on the top line, along with Lars Eller and Alex Ovechkin. So a bit of a blender here and something that you're going to want to watch in terms of DFS. You know, Ovi, Eller, Oshi is your top line, Sherry, Backstrom, and Wilson as a second. And they've got Kuznetsov kind of anchoring a third line in an attempt to maybe spread out a bit of the scoring here uh, in the, the U.S. capital. And finally, in Winnipeg, this team uh, stumbled, I'll say, to a 1-1-1 record. Connor Hellebuck in the nets for his last six starts, giving this team a, a chance to win every night, only allowing eight goals against. Mark Shifley picking up two goals, two helpers. Kyle Connor with three assists. Ehlers with three assists. So the big guns are doing their thing, except for one who prior to last night was struggling. That's Pierre-Luc Dubois, only one goal and one assist in his last seven games, but I mentioned it was before last night, and he picked up two goals in that game, so hopefully he's off the schneid in that, in that sense. Uh, Paul Stastny has been a real revelation for me, not even playing his normal and natural center position. He's on left wing on the second line, but very productive for the, the Jets with five points in his last seven games played, been a very steady offensive contributor and a good low DFS option. Uh, Neil Pionk, on the other hand, on the blue line, normally considered one of the top power players 
rate quarterbacks in the league uh, as only one helper in his last 11 games played. So he's seen his DFS value plummet, and he needs to turn it around because this team won't go far unless they get a little production from the back end. It's doubly so when Josh Morrissey has only one point in his last six outings. So to me, a bit of a concern on the back end because you add that to the fact that Nathan Beaulieu underwent surgery for a torn labrum. He's out for the season. you got to believe that the Jets are going to be looking for help on the back end, but their leaders on the blue line have to pick up their game in order for these guys to, to be a force in the playoffs. AJ, it's time for our weekly look at the DFS landscape. You handle the, the DraftKings and I handle FanDuel. Why don't you lead us off in terms of what you see ahead of tonight's landscape in the NHL DFS games? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a whole slate, uh, a big slate of games tonight. And so there's plenty of opportunities uh, to pick and choose your spots. A couple of teams uh, that I like tonight personally, uh, just to do an overarching and then, and then I'll let you know what players I'm using are, are obviously Pittsburgh. Uh, I think the Rangers are a tough out, but uh, Pittsburgh has played them well. Buffalo, I think, has a good opportunity. They've been playing better of late and they're getting New Jersey tonight. Obviously, Tampa Bay is a team to always look at. And then Washington going up against the Islanders are a couple of uh, the are all the teams rather that I'm picking my guys from. And I'll start with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I mentioned the the kind of connection that that Jared McCann and Jason Zucker seem to be having. And so I'm going to use those two guys in combination tonight. Uh, I think the Penguins second line is going to get better matchups against the Rangers than, than the first line. And these guys aren't going to break the bank. So Jared McCann coming in as at 4,400, and then Jason Zucker 3,500 uh, is is a good kind of one-two punch here uh, for for those uh, that tandem. I'll also use a pair of Buffalo Sabers on the top line. Again, I mentioned Casey Middlestad getting first line opportunities alongside Taylor Hall. So I'm going to use those two together. Middlestad coming in at a bargain uh, 2,800 here. Taylor Hall, because of uh, kind of problems he's had for the whole season coming in at just 4,500. So really a very cheap uh, set of guys here uh, in my line pairings. And I'll go with one more cheap uh, winger option who's playing top line minutes, and that's Tyler Johnson, 3,800 for the Lightning. I I like his price tag again when you consider he's going to play a top line assignment. As my utility guy then, because I've basically saved all of my money finding value uh, in the forward ranks. I am going to use Alexander Ovechkin at 9,100. I think it's a good opportunity for him to score goals. I'll double that up by going John Carlson at 6,900. As I said, he's been red hot of late. I can fit in Victor Hedman. So why not? Right. 7,600 for Tampa Bay's power play guy. Uh, And then between the nets, as I said, I think Buffalo against New Jersey is a good opportunity. Olmark, uh, comes in at 7,200. So you're not breaking the bank for a netminder who's got a pretty decent chance to win. So a pretty different strategy here for me, Paul. I don't normally pay up for the top defenseman here, but I started building my lineup. I like the value I could get from plenty of these wingers. And when the money's there, you don't pass on John Carlson and Victor Hedman, that's for sure. Yeah, in my case, I'm looking at my lineup, and normally I have a couple of stacks that really – are the centerpieces in in this case today though it's a bit of a grab bag but i'll try and back it up with reasons why in each pick i start off the top with a guy that i thought for sure you'd pick tonight at center i got Sidney crosby aj i'm taking one of your boys 
And and he's a guy that I think can be very productive even as a lone ranger. He's that good, and he has been for a long while. So uh, sub $8,000, I'll take him every time I can in a matchup that I think could be a high-scoring affair. So hoping that your captain goes off tonight. Thomas Hurdle, I mentioned he's a guy that has been central to the success in San Jose when the team is going well. They certainly are right now. And I plug him in against a, a challenged Anaheim club. I get him for only 6100 bucks. I think that's terrific value. You mentioned in your analysis of Nashville, Eli Tolvin. This guy has been the hottest of the hot in Nashville, uh, uh, part of a really solid offense that is unfolding there and against the defensively challenged Detroit Red Wing club that uh, may be seeing the last game of Jonathan Bernier in, in tow there. Uh, I wonder if there'll be a video tribute for him the next time he rolls back into Motor, Motor City uh, as he leaves. But uh, in, in the meantime, I'll go on with my picks. I've got a couple of sh- snipers from Chicago in my lineup against a struggling Dallas club. One of them is Alex DeBrincat at $7,100. He's partnered with Patrick Kane, who I pay $8,000 for, and both of these guys are leaders on the Hawks offense night in, night out. I expect tonight to be no different. Rounding out my offense, I said, spoke glowingly of Nick Ritchie. I think he's a guy that could have a productive night in what should be an interesting game in Philadelphia against a, a team that has been uh, mired in some, with some inconsistency that I didn't expect from the Flyers, but I think the Bruins could really pick them apart tonight. And actually, you can make a case for a Boston stack if you want. I'm doing a mini stack by taking a defenseman of the Bruins, Charlie McAvoy, to be one of my blue liners of choice tonight. He is linchpin of their power play as well, and we know that's going to be productive more often than not. Mikhail Gerbich, uh, I almost said Gorbachev, Mikhail Sergachev is a guy that will round out my squad in Tampa. He slots in behind Victor Hedman in terms of power play ice time, but cer- and certainly point production from the back end. I get him for only $4,300, and I round it out with a guy that I've never played in DFS Fantasy. That's Marty Jones, because I've panned this guy mercilessly for the last couple of seasons, but he's maybe at the top of his game in that whole time period, and so I'm going to take a shot at him for $7,800. I've had trouble with my goalie picks of late, so I went contrary to my intuition and pick a guy that I wouldn't normally go with to see if he can backstop my squad and put me back in the money after a couple of weeks where I've been outside, AJ. I'm looking to get back in the winner's circle, pal. <laughs> well, I mean, just a word of warning for all of our, our DFS players. If Paul just picked Marty Jones, uh, maybe don't use him tonight. <laughs> I think Paul just jinxed him his four-game winning streak is probably about to come to a close here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have, we'll have plenty to talk about next week when the trade deadline has come and gone, and uh, we'll look forward to breaking that down, AJ. But in the meantime, we invite our listeners to uh, th- to thank us, thank thank them for uh, listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast with the support of our sponsor at Owner's Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into Puckcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.